You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition of the podcast, we're going to be discussing the latest reports regarding Aaron Ramsdale. We're going to be touching on Joe Willock's future. And we're also going to be reacting to Mikel Arteta's press conference, which at the time of recording has literally just finished. Let's kick off with the Ramsdale stuff. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to say a big hello to everybody who's joining us in the live chat at the moment. Hope you guys are all well. Welcome to another live edition of the podcast. If you are watching this back later on, big hello and welcome to you guys as well. And of course, a big shout out to all our audio listeners as well. Hope you guys are all good and still enjoying the content, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Let's kick off with the Aaron Ramsdale stuff because we did a podcast yesterday where we talked at length about Aaron Ramsdale, about the deal, about whether or not this deal made sense. While I kind of encouraged people to get behind him if he does join the club and wanted people to show him the support and the love that every Arsenal player deserves, I did say that I thought that the money probably could have been better spent elsewhere. I did have concerns about the fact that Arsenal were talking about spending up to £30 million for a goalkeeper that in many of our eyes was going to end up sitting for most of the Premier League campaign on the substitutes bench, playing second fiddle to Burn Leno. Now, I tried to kind of talk myself into that idea not being so bad on the premise that he would go on to become Arsenal's number one, that Burn Leno's contract... Um, you know, expires in a couple of years' time and that maybe after this coming season, Arsenal might look to move on from the German. But there was no real way of dressing this up to be a sensible move in the transfer market, especially given how many positions Arsenal still need to strengthen in, how many positions Arsenal are still uh, looking to add players to. Yes, we need a goalkeeper desperately, but I would argue at this stage, I would probably be prioritising other positions and bringing in a goalkeeper that is a second fiddle to Burn Leno, a second choice goalkeeper, unless something amazing becomes available. And when you consider that Andre Onana could be available for much less, that there are other goalkeepers you feel could come in and deputise for Burn Leno when needs be, but would cost a fraction of that. It was really difficult to kind of get your head around this this idea of paying £30 million uh, for Aaron Ramsdale. Well, we might not have to worry about that now because the latest update, which came from The Athletic last night at around about 10.45pm, is that Aaron Ramsdale to Arsenal is off. That Arsenal were never willing to pay more than £20 million in total for the Sheffield United goalkeeper, which is contrary to some of the reports we had read previously, and that Arsenal have informed the goalkeeper of their intentions to pursue other options. So Arsenal making it very, very clear, according to The Athletic, that they are not prepared to meet Sheffield United's excessive valuation. And that's exactly what it is, excessive valuation of Aaron Ramsdale. So it looks like Arsenal will be exploring uh, other possibilities. And I think on balance, that's probably the right decision. Um, 
don't know if you agree, don't know if you disagree, let me know in the comment section. Uh, I'd love to hear uh, from you guys on this particular subject. Let's see, uh, let's take a few of those comments now, actually, before we do move on. Um, first of all, I want to say a big hello to Daniel DaCosta, and I wish him a speedy recovery. Daniel in the comments says, broke my leg, and it's channels like this that help me through. So uh, wish you a speedy recovery, mate, and glad to hear that the channel and the pod is helping you. Uh, to fill up that time uh, while you're not quite as mobile. So, uh, yeah, big shout out and uh, wish you all the very best. Um, Guna72, one of our members, says Ramsdale could develop into a pretty good keeper. However, he's not 30 million good at all. Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? Like, we talked a lot about Arsenal needing to target a certain profile of player, about Arsenal looking to build for the future. And I think in that sense, Aaron Ramsdale is someone that, may go on to have a very good career, still has plenty of time ahead of him as a goalkeeper to develop. But it's that fee for me that was always the problem. If you're telling me that Aaron Ramsdale was around for eight to 10 million, 12 million even, I would have gone, okay, you know, this guy could potentially develop into a top, top goalkeeper, homegrown. Obviously, we know there's a premium included in that, uh, that you always seem to have to come across when you're trying to buy English players. But for me, it was excessive and at a time when Arsenal still need to do so much more business between now and the end of the window it just didn't make sense so I'm actually quite pleased um I'm not going to go as far as saying we've dodged the bullet because I know a lot of Arsenal fans were quite in my opinion over the top in their criticism of Aaron Ramsdale and I think a lot of people let their wider frustration with the club almost kind of boil up and then spill on Aaron Ramsdale who is a young goalkeeper making his way wants to upgrade in terms of the club. I'm, I'm kind of hearing that Aaron Ramsdale was really keen and positive about the move to Arsenal and that he's quite gutted now that this is not uh, something that's going to materialise. He's understood his relationship now with Sheffield United uh, is probably going to take a bit of a beating because he is disappointed in their valuation and the fact that they did dig their heels in uh, to prevent that deal going through. Now, of course, they are owned um, by Saudi owners. Uh, they're not short of a few quid. Uh, so Sheffield United won't feel like they're in a position where they can be uh, bullied into letting some of their prized assets go on, on the cheap. But it is an excessive valuation. I think from what we've heard, Aaron Ramsdale feels that way as well. And Arsenal certainly feel that way, uh, which is why this deal is not happening. That's the latest, though. Remember, this could change because we seem to keep getting uh, different reports uh, suggesting different things throughout this window. It's been really difficult to make sense of it all. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Craig Tanner says, morning, Harry. Gotta say, we didn't exactly learn much from the press conference. We'll come on to talk about Arteta's press conference in just a moment. He says, but glad we're not forking out £30 million for a number two. Uh, Divya says, I'm so glad. Uh, that we're not getting Ramsdale should go for Onano and get Neto on loan immediately. Uh, Dave Fox says that Sam Johnson is a better backup option. £30 million is far too much with all the other things we need. Um, Guna72 goes on to say it's a shame for him as Sheffield United have ruined his career, but that's their problem, not ours. On to the next keeper target then. Uh, Snipe Dot is also delighted that this deal has fallen through and it seems to be the general consensus, isn't it, that £30 million is way too much for Aaron Ramsdale and that perhaps Arsenal are doing the right thing by pulling out of this. However, they still need to find a goalkeeper ASAP because we are one Burn Leno injury away from a catastrophe uh, because I don't have any faith in the 
other options that we have at the football club that they're ready to play at Premier League level. I think we saw enough of Renarsson, albeit very little, to know that he is not at the level required. There was links uh, sort of suggesting he would be moving away this summer. That hasn't materialised yet. And I wonder if that will happen once Arsenal do get another goalkeeper in. Arthur Oconquo, really big young talent we saw, and, and big literally, uh, but really good talent. What we saw in pre-season that maybe he's not just quite at that level yet. Not to say he won't get there, but I wouldn't put my faith in him uh, in a Premier League game at this stage. I've got to be completely honest. Um, so that's where we are on the Ramsdale thing. As we know now, as far as we know, the deal is off. But as I said, we've said that before. We've seen things develop. We've th seen things change. And uh, so we can't completely rule it out, but it feels right now that it is very unlikely. Just a quick reminder to all of you out there that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. We thank them for their very kind sponsorship and they're your go-to people for all your male grooming needs. Head over to the website, check out their range of fantastic products. You can get ball deodorant, you can get trimmers, you can get whatever you bloody want. Anything that is relative to taking care of that important area uh, is uh, is available on the Manscaped website. Your partners will thank you. And uh, I promise you, if you use our discount code, which you can see rolling across the bottom of the screen, it's 90min20. You will receive 20% off as well as free shipping on your order. So you stand to save yourself a big chunk of cash. Check it out. Check out their products. You will not be disappointed. I can personally guarantee that. Uh, Manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs. And we thank them as always for their very kind sponsorship of the program. Uh, right, moving on, just want to quickly touch on Joe Willock uh, because Arsenal have agreed a fee with Newcastle United over the transfer of Joe Willock. Mikel Arteta kind of hinted that the ball is in Joe Willock's court now in his press conference earlier today. Um, the issue with this one, from what we're being told, is not between Arsenal and Newcastle United. The two clubs have agreed the fee. There is no problem there. The issue and the stumbling point at the moment is the personal terms. Joe Willock and Newcastle United said to be quite a way apart in terms of what Joe Willock's after and what Newcastle are currently offering. So that could uh, potentially scupper this deal. I don't think it will. I think there will be a resolution to this. I think for Arsenal, they'll be quite keen to see this resolved because that's £25 million more that they can spend in the transfer market. And I think that's £25 million, judging by what Mikel Arteta said today, that we probably need and need quite desperately. So, yeah, um, I think that one will probably still go through. I'll be surprised if it breaks down. Uh, but at this moment in time, there has been no progress. Uh, in terms of those negotiations between Willock and Newcastle United. And uh, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Mikel Arteta did say he is still our player in the press conference, but I wouldn't expect him to say anything else at this stage with regards to Joe Willock. So keep a close eye on that one. Joe Willock and, uh, to Newcastle, not done just yet. Arsenal, Newcastle, no problem. Fee agreed. But Joe Willock's personal terms are proving a bit of an issue as it stands. Uh, right, let's uh, move on to Mikel Arteta's press conference, which just literally finished, what, 10 minutes before I went live? Well, the live bit did anyway. Of course, there will be more uh, for the written press, etc., etc., that will uh, emerge a little bit later on. But Mikel Arteta, as you'd expect, was asked a lot about transfer activity. That was kind of where the conference went in terms of its direction, as you'd expect. Um, there were questions about what league position he expects Arsenal to finish in next season. 
uh, whether there'll be more business done between now and the end of the window, whether goalkeeper was a priority position. And surprise, surprise, Mikel Arteta gave nothing away. Nothing at all. It was literally like watching Boris Johnson in one of those COVID press conferences where he doesn't want to commit to anything. And if he could have turned to a professor sitting alongside him that, you know, gives stats and facts to kind of back it up and keep people off his case, then he would have done that as well. Um, It was really, really frustrating, I guess is the right word. I mean, for me, I'm one of these people that, and I don't know if it's because I work in, 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 the work that I do, but I don't go into press conferences expecting to get massive clickbait headlines. I don't go into press conferences expecting to get revelations. I just don't expect that. I think sometimes you can go into a press conference immediately after a match as a manager and you can be quite emotionally charged. And sometimes your your emotions and your anger can come through in what you say. I think that's even less likely, though, and less common in a pre-match press conference where the emotion is not necessarily there yet. And Arsenal, obviously, going into the season, yes, there is pressure on Mikel Arteta, but not as much pressure as would be on him if he walks into that room after Arsenal get beaten by Brentford on Friday. So it's for me, I wasn't expecting much. But I was expecting a hint. I was expecting something. And we got absolutely nothing from Mikel Arteta. We literally got... We'll have to wait and see. We are working very hard behind the scenes. All of that usual kind of rhetoric that you would have expected from Mikel Arteta was exactly what came through. And it was frustrating. It is a little bit disappointing. And I think, I do think for what it's worth, that Arsenal are working on doing further business behind the scenes. I really, really do. But Mikel didn't want to be drawn on it. And I think at this point, with the frustration among the fan base about how we might fare this season, giving us a little bit of a bone um, would have kind of appeased a few people and given some people a bit of confidence going into the remainder of this window. There was one particular question um, or, or one particular interviewer who was from Sky Sports, I think, who had literally gone back and read up on a previous Mikel Arteta press conference or interview taken some points out of that and was literally throwing them at him. And one of them was, um, you know, with regards to Arsenal needing to do, a, uh, or, or Arsenal having significant money uh, to do business and, and a couple of other bits and pieces. And you could tell Mikel from that got really defensive and he didn't then want to give anything more away. He literally said, um, I'm not going to be drawn into that because you are going to dig up comments like you did from last year and use them. So he really, really kind of made sure that he was safe in everything he said, precautious in everything he said, a little bit like his playing style. He didn't want to give anything away. And he sat back. And and I think the minute that question came across and the minute that interviewer got on, and I don't know who it was, and I'm not criticizing her or slagging her off or, or anything like that. I just felt like digging up comments from previous and throwing them at Mikel Arteta in the way she did almost kind of one after the other, back to back, actually got his back up and actually caused him to sit back and 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 kind of take a more detached approach to the rest of the press conference. Now I'm not saying he was going to go on and um and you know and and reveal everything and spill the beans. You know that was never going to happen. But I just think that got his back up a little bit, and he was then even more cautious in what was uh, remaining of the conference. So 
No steer from Mikel Arteta on what might happen between now and the end of the window. Talked about the window in general when he said that it might be a busy couple of weeks. A lot of people, or, or busy towards the end, a lot of people kind of maybe took that the wrong way. So nothing from Mikel Arteta. It's as simple as that. There's not even that much to uh, to discuss and to unpack. He, the one thing that did strike out at me uh, quite a bit was his support of the Cronkies again. He was really without being prompted, keen to make that point that the him, the ownership, they're all on the same page, that they do want the team to progress, they do want the team to improve, and that they'd be willing to make any investment needed uh, to do that, that they are willing to put their own cash in. I'll believe it when I see it, but I guess I'm looking at Mikel Arteta now, this season, through a different lens to the lens I was looking at him through last season. For me, last season, it wasn't a given. It wasn't a, a freebie. It wasn't a hall pass. It, it wasn't anything like that. I did get frustrated at the end, especially when we went out of the Europa League. But I think now where I've repeatedly said and, and almost got myself into the mindset of, well, the pressure is really on now. I'm struggling to be as sympathetic towards him when he comes out and gives press conferences like that. A couple of you in the chat have, have uh, said that it, it was arrogance. Um, and you know what? To a degree, I feel like there was a little bit of that. I feel like I'm seeing Mikel Arteta a bit more like that now. I'm not seeing this kind of humble, you know, guy that's got a job that is massive and he knows that it's massive and he's trying to really, you know, he's doing it with all his heart, but he really is genuinely warm. I, I do get the impression from Mikel Arteta that he can be quite hot, cold. I don't know if that's his manner. I've I've met people in the past that I thought were cold and then I got to know them a bit better and I didn't. So is it his manner that irritates people? Is it his manner that frustrates people? Maybe to a certain degree it is, but there does seem to be a time. There we go. We're, I don't know what happened there. Uh, apparently the mic unplugged somehow. Hold on a second. Here we go. Here we go. Yep. There you go. Don't know how my mic unplugged. Didn't move anything. But anyway, uh, back. Hope you can hear me all loud and clear. But there was a tiny little bit of arrogance uh, coming across in Mikel Arteta today. And I, I didn't really like that. I didn't really warm to that. I've got to be honest. Um, it was uh, It was a little bit frustrating to see, I have to say. So, you know, as I say, looking at Mikel Arteta in a really different, um, different from a really different lens, and I guess time is going to tell, isn't it, as to whether uh, he's going to get it right or not. But not much in terms of giving things away. Uh, talked about the squad not being settled in the lead up uh, to, uh, you know, to the Christmas period last season and how that was a big problem. Let's see. Um, let's see uh, what happens. <sighs> Uh, Craig Tanner, good question. And I'm going to, you know what, now's the time. Pop your questions in the chat box. Uh, sorry, I got a little bit disorientated there with my mic literally cutting out. I don't know if I got a little bit of a power surge because it's plugged in externally. Maybe it was that. Anyway, um, get your questions in the live chat box. Let me uh, take some of those between now and the end of the stream. And I want to take this one from Craig Tanner. He says, maybe it's journalists and their questions he dislikes. I think if you're going to succeed in a job like this, and if you're going to succeed at the very highest level as a football man, uh, you know, a coach, as a, a sports person, 
of the highest profile, then you need to just live with that. You know, the, the journalists in those press conferences, as I've said before, are literally doing their job. If they went in and didn't ask him questions he didn't want to know uh, or he didn't want to answer, they wouldn't be doing their jobs properly because they wouldn't be asking what the fans necessarily want to hear. Now, there's a fine line for journalists to tread because you can potentially overstep the mark, damage your relationship with certain clubs, with certain figures, and then be in a position where you can no longer get the stories that you live off. You can no longer get the access that you you thrive from or that your job is built around. But equally, you want to ask what the fans want to hear. And sometimes uh, treading that line in between is quite difficult and it's a difficult task. So I've got sympathy for the journalists in this. And I can't, uh, I can't, you know, I can't say that any of them really put Mikel Arteta in a place today where he he would have got a little bit riled. I think he would have anticipated most of those questions. I think he dodged them like a politician almost impeccably well uh, for the most part. And uh, it's left a lot of Arsenal fans, as you can imagine, uh, feeling a little bit frustrated and underwhelmed because there was this kind of big build up to this press conference. First one of the season, Arsenal.com first. It was at 10, then it was at 10.15, then it was at 10.30 and it ended up starting at 20 to 11. Uh, so there was anticipation around it. There were plenty, uh, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, across the world who were logged into the club's website at the time, ready to watch it, only to get basically nothing out of it. So you can understand that disappointment. But equally, I never expected him to spill the beans on everything and anything. So I think that's uh, that's important to note as well. Uh, let's take some more of your questions and some more of your comments. Um on uh, on Mikel Arteta. Um, Daryl Price says that too many fans looking for faults, name managers who speak differently. Fans should be supportive with a new season. Yeah, look, I'm not, and maybe I phrased it wrong. I'm not saying that Mikel Arteta is definitely arrogant. I'm saying that he can come across like that. And I think part of his development as a manager will be as well to be able to put himself across in a way that endears the fans to be able to uh, come across in a way that gets people's buy-in and I'm not sure Mikel Arteta is the best at that just yet not at this stage of his career anyway uh Victor says Mikel Arteta is not arrogant what's people's definition of humble anyway a laptop a lapdog to the press who are ready to crucify him it's idiotic to call him arrogant based on press conferences I don't think it is just based on press conferences though Victor um it's based on a number of things it's based on some of the decisions he makes um, and, and some of the other things that he's done since taking over the club. Um, Kais Drop 4 says, I feel like his arrogance is overplayed. Wow, a lot of you kind of jump into Mikel Arteta's defence here. Aren't all good managers overconfident? You kind of need to believe you can make the improbable happen. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, let's say a big hello to Web Creatives, who's just uh, signed up to become a member of the channel. Thank you so, so much for your support, mate. Make sure you click on the community tab, grab the Discord link and jump into the Discord server as well. And that goes for any new members who have signed up over the last few days. It is part of your membership, access to the Discord server, the private group where we all chat Arsenal uh, so and general football as well and see how each other are doing from time to time. Uh, so make sure you do take advantage of that. If you would like to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna and support me to bring you daily content throughout the season, uh, most of the time, twice a day, sometimes three times a day, like you saw yesterday and a few days ago, then you can do that by clicking on the link in the description, checking out our membership proposition and getting involved. We're also going to be dropping a video exclusive to members 
around about an hour after the uh, conclusion of Brentford versus Arsenal tomorrow night. It will be a quick player ratings video. We'll be doing a full show later on, around about probably by the time we get home, probably about 11 p.m. Uh, to review the game. And then on Saturday, we'll be bringing you the tactical analysis of it. And we'll be trying to make sense of what we saw from Mikel Arteta's side. Uh, let's see what else we've got in the chat box. Lots of questions coming through now. Uh, and we will take uh, some of those between now and the end. Uh, Steve York is a Blades fan and he joins us live in the chat. He says, Blades fan here. Is the Rams Rammers deal defo off? Looks that way, my friend. Um, although I won't rule anything out at this stage. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Guna72 says, if Arteta wants to succeed, he has to have a good relationship with the fan base. Appearing to be cold starts you off on the wrong foot before a ball is kicked. I feel that way as well. And I feel like he's constant defending of the way the club's being run. On the one hand, I, I expect it because he's an employee of the club. But on the other hand, I don't think he needs to go so big on it as big as he does go on it. And I think that, given the fans' discontent with the way the club's being run at the moment, is actually not doing Mikel himself any favours. He's better off just not saying um, anything about them, if I'm honest. Uh, let's take some of your questions. Uh, Bonster says, is this squad worse than last season's, given the outgoing slash incomings? I think if we don't get a creative midfield player in, then it is weaker. Um, I've got to be honest, I, I really do feel that way. And a goalkeeper, of course, uh, because we did have Matty Ryan, at least for the second half of last season. So I do think that it is probably slightly weaker now. I guess the, the, the flip side is that you expect Emil Smith-Rowe to be at a high level. You expect uh, Bukayo Saka to be at a high level. Gabriel Martinelli will play a bigger part, you'd imagine, this season. Um, ben White is a good addition, but we did lose David Luiz, who I thought was very good last season. So I think slight on balance, yes. But I think if things click into place, i.e. those players I've mentioned do continue to develop, Thomas Partey, once he recovers from this current injury, can get fit again. Um, and Tom, uh, Kieran Tierney is another big one that we were without for large periods last season. If he is able to stay fit, then you could argue that actually just people staying fit makes the team better uh, by default than it was last season. So, um, yeah, going to be uh, going to be interesting. Uh, to see how things go. But I think if we don't do the right business, then yeah, we could be in a position where we are uh, weaker than we were last season. Remember, we had Martin Odegaard at the club uh, from January onwards. And of course, Danny Sabayos was a, another midfield option, a midfield option that we don't have now. Uh, just while I mentioned Thomas Partey and his injury, I just want to bring you guys up to date on where we are with that. The club uh, released uh, some information on uh, Thomas Partey on um, Eddie Nketiah and on Gabrielle's fitness. Now, all three of those guys are currently sidelined. Thomas Partey, as we know, sustained an injury to his ankle ligaments during that friendly against Chelsea on August the 1st. Now, he continues to be assessed, uh, according to the club, and is expected to be back in training by the end of August. So looking at a September return for Thomas Partey, the same can be said for Eddie Nketiah, who seems to be a little bit further behind. Um, it looks as though he is going to be back in training in early September. So 
probably add another week onto that before he's available for selection. And Gabriel, who suffered a knee injury whilst with the Brazilian Olympic squad, uh, he's also out, but is expected, just like Eddie Nketiah, to return to training in early September. So that's the latest on those players. Um, let's see uh, what we've got here. Uh, Jace Daly saying, we want Joe Willock. I'm assuming you're a Newcastle fan. Uh, Kartik says, uh, would you start Sambi tomorrow? I'm going to save it because I'm doing a Harry starting 11 video uh, tomorrow at lunchtime. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to that game against Brentford. So I'm going to save it for that. Uh, I don't want to give too much away before we do it. Um, let's see uh, what else we've got here. Uh, Matt says in, in response to the, um, the, uh, the comment about Arteta needing to be kind of in a good place in terms of his relationship with the fans. He says, why does he have to have a good relationship with the fan base? The fan base who half abuse him every day. I don't care if he's likable. I just want him to win games. Yeah. I think Matt, that when you are winning games, those things become a side note. I think those things become to a degree irrelevant. I'm not saying it's the be on end all, but I do think that for Mikel at a time where he is not doing what a lot of us want him to be doing, then he does need to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more warm. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm being unfair here. I, I just feel that way with Mikel Arteta. I feel like given that he's not in a place where he can uh, be super arrogant because he's achieved stuff, I think he needs to change maybe the way he comes across. I don't know. I, when I look at Mikel Arteta in a press conference, and I've been in Mikel Arteta press conferences, what do I see? I see a blank canvas. I see someone who I'm not going to get anything out of. And I see someone who doesn't look like he wants to be there. And when you compare that to someone like Jurgen Klopp, not so much recently, because he was a bit prickly last season, but prior to that, Jurgen Klopp was given a lot of leeway by not just the press, but by his own supporters because of how he came across, because he was this likable guy who joked and laughed and smiled. And, and that in many ways helped people buy into the project and allow him the room that he needed to get on and succeed. So I think that you've got to find the balance. And I'm not sure that Mikel has found that balance just yet. It's not the be on end all for me. It's not a big deal, but it is something that Mikel as a manager probably needs to get better at if he's going to have a career at the very, very top level. I think everybody has off days um, and everybody has times where they're a little bit prickly and a little bit frustrated. And he's probably got a million and one things to do before Arsenal take on Brentford tomorrow and probably doesn't want to sit and face the press. But it's part of your role. It's part of your job. It's part of your responsibility as the manager of the football club. And I do think that it's something that he um, he can he can develop on rather than it being a massive problem. Uh, Open-minded guy says, just thought I found an unbiased Arsenal channel, but again, just frustrated people who make their opinions from screen. I'm sorry you feel that way, mate, but um, I don't think it's I don't think it's outrageous to say that it's an area that Mikel Arteta could develop in. I really don't. Um, what else have we got? Uh, let's see uh, what else you guys are saying. Um, 
Ian says Mikel Arteta always says or adds that the owners are giving him support without him being asked any question about them. Any comments? Yeah, that, that's a good point as well. And, and I've already touched on that, that. I do think that that is probably pissing people off um, and it's not really necessary. You know, we can you can easily say generically the club are working behind the scenes to do what we're doing. You know, we're all aligned in terms of our um, objectives. But to keep mentioning the owners who really, let's be honest, don't have a lot to do with the day-to-day running of the club. And that's probably part of what I've been um, frustrated with them about in recent years, their kind of hands-off approach and their kind of um, absence in, in some of the really difficult periods. And yeah, it's it's a hard one, but I, I agree with you. I don't think he needs to keep doing that without being prompted, especially. Um, and it's a, a little bit frustrating. Uh, right. Anyway, I think we are going to leave it there. In fact, before we do that, just going to check in um, on uh, the likes on the channel. Uh, let's see where we are in terms of likes on this video, because I can see there's a whopping uh, 525 of you watching us live on YouTube alone right now, which is incredible. Uh, so thank you for your support. Um, let's see what you've got. Uh, what you've done in terms of likes so far we've only got 83 likes but there's over 500 of you watching surely just surely um we can have a bit of a likes drive now hit the like button and while you're doing that let me know in the chat where it is you are joining us from and i'll give some of you guys a shout out before we go but like 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 it doesn't cost a thing subscribe to the channel if you're new and i'm off to do this afternoon a really um exciting little podcast I'm going. I'm not going to reveal uh, who the guests are going to be uh, just yet, but I'm going to meet three people um, who are going to contribute to my um, Premier League season preview, which you guys will be able to get access to from tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this one. It's not going to be Arsenal focused. We're going to talk a little bit about Arsenal, but it is going to be about looking at the wider kind of Premier League this season, how we think it will go. Might help you with some of your uh, with some of your um, uh, fantasy football teams. Who knows? And speaking of fantasy football, if you want to join our league, you can. The link is in the description. The code is in the description if you can't do it that way as well. Uh, some of you asking how you join the Discord server. If you are a member, I'm going to put a post as soon as I finish this live stream uh, with the link in the community tab. So click on community uh, on you, on the Chronicles of Aguna page and the link will be there. I'll do that as soon as we wrap up. Uh, right. Let's uh, say some thank yous. Let's say some goodbyes uh, while you guys are hitting the like button. Like, like, like. Don't forget. Uh, big thank you to uh, Avon Terry says congrats on the 15k by the way Harry thank you very much Guna72 joins us from Essex we've got Kent uh, we've got Ethiopia uh, we've got Westminster Ethiopia again United States uh, what else have we got Christoph joins us from New York good morning to you sir Josh is in London uh, Richard is in Nairobi Kenya and uh yeah, for those of you wanting to find the press conference, it, as, as Guna72 says, it's on Haters TV's YouTube channel. So you can find it there uh, right now. We've got more of you joining us from Kenya. Wow, big Kenyan contingent today. Hope you guys are well. We've got Sydney. We've got West London. We've got Italy. We've even got Estonia. Right, I will catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and uh, stay safe. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.
I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs> 